and wait on your timing. Father, forgive us for our sin of omission and commission. Father, I'm covering myself, the listener, our family member, with the blood of Jesus, that we will not get any backlashes from this prayer. In Jesus' name, Father, continue to open up our special ears, eyes, and heart to receive your rhema word on this morning. Open doors yes, for this, uh, open doors and favor for this ministry and the overseer and his family, Lis- yes, and the listener family, Father. In yes, Jesus' Father. name, we pray, and God, we give you all the praises and honor that we will not get any backlashes, neither our seed. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hope everyone had an amazing week. Um, We had a great time yesterday. This is a time for us to praise God. Um, And uh, there are two things that the enemy is afraid of. Number one, he is afraid of the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood that redeems every soul uh, from this earth. But the second thing he is very afraid of is not the word. It's not like the praises. It is the testimony of the saints. You know, when we start to say things like what God has done for us, the enemy starts to tremble because uh, he has no rebuttal to those things because he knows that the God of this universe is still sitting on the throne and he still controls. And so this is a time for us you just need to share what God has done in our life. Hallelujah. I'll go first. Um, I just thank God um, for his grace and mercy and for the blood. I thank God because um, for how he's um, protecting me, you know. I, um, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but since I had the stroke, I'm dreaming all sorts, all sorts of dreams. I dream a different dream every night. And it's just mm-hmm. some of them are hilarious and some of them are, you know, uh, it's just dreams, different dreams that I could remember. Mm-hmm. And I dreamt, um, I guess it was Friday night, I was sleeping. In the wee hours of the morning, I was sleeping. And it seems like I was in a church service, and I was in a, in, a, in a service. I was on the pulpit. And you know how you sleep. I don't know whether, mm-hmm. whether or not you guys sleep with your legs crossed, but I got a habit of sleeping with my legs crossed. And mm-hmm. it seems like on the pulpit I was sitting with one leg on the chair and one leg hanging down. And I was trying my best to try to get my legs straightened out so I could sit right. And 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 I guess in reality, I was really doing that. I was, um, my stroke leg was on top of my good leg, and I was trying to straighten my legs out, and I couldn't couldn't get it straightened out. But when I did get it straightened out. In my dream, I got to straighten out. And in reality, I got to straighten out. And um, 
seems like my husband was on the mopal on the popal with me, and he handed me a na- he went to get a napkin because I was crying so hard because the service was so good, and in reality, that's when he got out of the bed. When I dreamt that he left me, in reality, he must have got up and got out of the bed. And I, and it seems like the pastor handed me a napkin. It seemed like the pastor was on my right side, and he handed me a napkin. And the next thing I knew, I was on the floor. I had already fell on the floor. And um, and my husband ran, ran back into me, and, you know, he said, what happened? He said, I just left you. I said, I don't know. I said, I was dreaming, you know, and it's kind of funny, but I just thank God that I wasn't, I wasn't hurt. I could have, you know, had another stroke because the doctor told me the other day, he said, when you have one stroke, you know, you're, you know, it's a good chance that you can have another stroke if you're not careful when, if you're not careful when you fall and stuff. And I just thank God that I wasn't hurt, that I wasn't painful. Um, my husband helped me up. You know, normally he's not able to help me up, but he helped me up yesterday morning. And I said, I don't know why I was dreaming that, you know. I dreamt that I was trying to move my leg right, and, and I just fell out of the bed. But I guess after I had moved my leg right, and, you know, in reality, I was so close to the edge of the bed that I didn't know that I was that close, and I fell up out of the bed I just thank God for his blood and how he protected me. I didn't have any pain yesterday. I just um, went about my day. I cooked some red rice. I fried some fish. We had a nice day. And um, I just thank God for his protection because it could have been worse. I could have fallen and hit my head or something, but I didn't hit anything. I just hit my elbow. We've got a, uh, my daughter gave me a nice padded chair for me to sit by and and on the side of the bed, so that so that really protected me from getting injured. But um, I just Amen. praise God, you know, for His protection. Amen, Amen, Miss Brenda, you are so protected by so much prayer around you Amen. that uh, you know there's no more of those schemes where the enemy can attack you, Miss Brenda. Amen. You're you're protected. Amen. I receive that. I receive that. Amen. Amen. Any other praise item? Um, my sister-in-law, um, she lost her brother yesterday, but um, to what you don't know, he was very, very ill for a very long time. Mm. And um, she didn't want him to suffer anymore. And she understands that he's with the Lord now and that's a big thing for her, but poor Patty, um, that's her name, is my sister-in-law, she is one of 11 siblings, mm-hmm. and she was the baby. She is mm-hmm. now buried, okay, mm-hmm. eight of her siblings. Mm-hmm. And um, she just said to me yesterday, and just to how you ladies were talking this morning, she said, oh, he's with my mama and he's with Billy and one she called uh, 
touch. He, he, she's with, he's with all of them now, and one day I'll see them again. Amen. And um, she has accepted this, but, you know, like I said, it's hard on her because she was the baby of the family, and now, like I said, she's buried eight of them. That's a lot. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thank God for just you ladies this morning and the wisdom, I mean, the wisdom that you all bring to the table is, is, I'm grateful for. And thank you. Amen. Amen. I thank you all every day. Thank you. Amen. Ms. Coletta, you know, um, this last couple of weeks, uh, there's so many people have left us uh, and uh, that we know of. There's so many that leave that, that we don't know. But every time I hear the sound of those, I just praise God for, you know, one day we will see them all and uh, we will have fellowship with them and uh, it's going to be a glorious time. And the Bible says like that he is gone in front of us. Jesus is gone in front of us to prepare the mansion and uh, the length and the breadth of that mansion People cannot even imagine how big the place that he is building for each and every one of us. You know, so I'm so thankful to yeah. know that the, the ones that have gone before us, you know, they're going to prepare our room along with Jesus, you know. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Thank Lord. You, Lord. Any other praise I come this week? Praise the Lord for um, a wonderful homegoing celebration for Willie Mae. And, mm-hmm. um, and as we gathered different <clears throat> moments, you know, as we were in preparation and even after the funeral, I would say to the group, whoever we were with, I wonder what they are doing in heaven right now. And it just gave me joy just to think that, you know, Willie Mae is there with my mom and dad and Poochie, my friend that I always talk about, and and the Lord, you know, wonder what they're doing with all the colors. Miss Bennett is even um, talking to Willie Mae up there, you know, because they met on the phone and, uh, you know, on this, this line, and I think they've met at church uh, when Willie Mae has visited. But um, that's such a blessing. And uh, Maya is going to church with me this morning. She's been wanting to go to Sunday school, so she was spending the night with me regardless of whether Maddie was working or not. She was going to be here to go to Sunday school, and she's ready, and we're getting ready to go out the door, but I still have you on. um, We're just truly blessed. Yesterday we had a blessing with our um, kids to career. And I'm on the tech team, but I couldn't get that computer to let me talk for nothing. But it's probably because I didn't need to extend the time. (laughs) It would not cooperate, but it was a blessing yesterday. I was just so um, pleased that two of our girls on on my team and the sense team um, they they got lots of five dollars because they were just A students all the way, and um, they also uh, received. Is it a Chromebook? Uh huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Each of them a yeah. Chromebook. 
which was so wonderful because they have had to move in with their uncle, the mother, the grandmother who has adopted them. They are in with the brother, and they didn't have a computer because they had to leave from their home previously, and they had to put their things in storage. And in storage, you know, you have to pay, and I know it's difficult. And so they lost all of their things in storage because, you know, somebody didn't remember mm-hmm. to pay or couldn't pay. So this is just a blessing for these girls. They each got, because uh, when I spoke with with Mrs. Major yesterday, since I couldn't talk on, on the computer, I called her, and she was just so elated. She said, does it mean they're both getting one? <laughs> and I said, yes, they are. So I'm going to get offline because i got to put a bow in that in Maya's hair. Come on, Maya, and we're right here with you, though. Okay. Amen, amen. I mean, the thing is, uh, both those girls, uh, you know, have their mom and dad in prison, right? Mm. And their grandmother adopts them. And, uh, you know, in the journey of living with their grandmother, their grandmother gets, like, uh, you know, evicted, I think. And uh, that's why, you know, they had to move all this stuff to the storage. And because they couldn't pay the storage, the things that they left in the storage was all gone, Mm. including their computer. And uh, here is the thing, that these two girls, actually, I have no idea of any of these things. It just like popped up when we were doing analyzing all their scores. These two girls have got, like a one of them, Melissa, has got on all of her eight subjects, the lowest that she got was 96 out of 100. Mm. The rest was all 98, 99, 97. The lowest that she got was 96 out of 100. Mm. And she had like a three of her subjects in honor subjects, which are more mm-hmm. tougher than the regular subjects. And not just her, her sister Carmen, she got seven out of eight A's and only one B. And everything, even the B is like a close to 90 B. And the thing is that these kids, as what Ms. Sarah said, had to go live with their, I think her mom's brother, I believe, and and the grandmother agreed to go stay in a senior home to just like give room for these girls in that house, and that uh, they could not, you know, still work that, you know, arrangement. So the grandmother comes back and takes them to Simpsonville, and that's where they are living right now, in a small house. But yesterday, when I saw their face, you can see the complete peace and smile and joy. That, that's very pure. It's not about the money. It's not about what they got. They are just like getting what they have in their hand. They're five and two. And that's God awesome. is blessing. Awesome. God is that's blessing awesome. that what they're giving. And um, I am so glad and grateful for these children. And uh, those two children have 93% attendance. 
to the school. So it's not just the grades that they got, it's their tenacity to go to school when they yeah. don't have anything. Their tenacity to come on the kids to career using their phone when they don't have computers. Yeah. The tenacity to fight this when they have nothing in their hand. Yeah, that God wants to honor. Yeah. And uh, earlier this week, I had a chance to go uh, and meet with these men for the very first time in a prison near uh, Asheville in Mountain View. It is on the mountains. This prison is on a mountain. And I had to go like a, you know, helping them and this and that. But uh, those men out there were already trapped for the day. And as I was just like uh, talking to them, these guys were crying. These are like a macho looking men, right? With tattoos everywhere. The only tattoos that I didn't see was on their faces. But there was tattoo everywhere on their bodies, right? And halfway through, I was just like showing some videos and talking to them. And then I was about to turn another video. One of the guys from the crowd shouted, saying, Cyril, please don't show any more videos. We don't have any more tears left in our eyes. Mm-hmm. These guys were crying so hard. Like, uh, you know, God was in that room, and God is going to do great and mighty things. Yes, yes, yes. In their lives, you know. So Thank you, Jesus. I am so uh, glad to see how these fathers are coming together um, in, a, in, in just like a helping their kids. Um, I, I told them very clearly, this is not about you. This is about you putting a medicine in your son's and daughter's heart. Yes, and they are yes. so ready for it. And yes. uh, another thing that touched my heart was this lady named Samantha Green. And uh, she was working tirelessly, running around here, going there, picking things up. And she was like a, a pregnant uh, and in her ninth year, right? I mean, ninth month, sorry. Um, uh, but I just found out that uh, uh, the baby inside her womb died. And... Uh, she knew that. It's not like she didn't know. She knew. But the thing is that even in the midst of all those things, she could be sobbing and resting and just like seeking others to come and serve her. But instead, she was serving, standing up, running around. When I saw the, the commitment and the dedication and the sincerity uh, this woman, it was just such an inspiration to just to see like what God can do when you step into faith. And even if everything around us goes wrong, it doesn't matter because he's still in the control room and he's still the King of Kings and he's still the Lord of Lords. And this morning, as we go into uh, the word, I just pray that God will give us and instill in us the same spirit to just like to do things for the Lord with excellence, with commitment, with sincerity, that we would see like, you know, 
All that she was trying to do was to help someone, some father, to find ways to get to their children. That has no blood relation to, to her. And she could have taken rest that day, but instead she wasn't. And so I praise God for people like her. We come and run into, but someone, when you're remembering today to pray, just remember her uh, in your prayers. Her name is Samantha Green. Has she delivered yet, Cyril? She hasn't delivered no, yet, has she? No, she hasn't. No. I sent a message and she, she uh, replied back, they're going to take the baby out. Uh, I don't know when. I'll find out, Miss Brenda. Hmm. Well, you know, in my heart, as you're talking about her, in my heart, I believe God can do anything but fail. Amen. Amen. And I believe that God Amen. can change this situation around. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That this baby would live. That this baby is not dead. That this baby would live. Hallelujah. This baby come out as a normal baby, even if it has deficiency, it would be a no, it would be a live baby. It would be a baby that she would hold in her arms and love like any other mother would love their child. And I believe that God can do it today for this mother because of her sacrifice and what she's doing for other mothers. I believe that God is a God that he cannot fail and he can do anything exceedingly abundantly more than we can think or ask. And I believe today that God can change the situation around for this mom today. Lord, I thank you, O God, for the victory, O God. I thank you, O God, for the victory, O God, that you can that you would change this this change this this situation around for this mom today, O God. That you can do, O God, more than we can ask you, O God. I thank you for the victory, O oh God. I thank you for what you're going to do, O oh God, for this mom today, O oh God. I thank you, Lord. Regardless of what the doctors say, O oh God, you have the final say today, O oh God. And I thank you for you today, O oh God. I thank you for the victory, O oh God, that this mom will be able to hold her baby alive, O oh God. Alive, O oh God, because, Lord, we know that you can change the situation, O oh God. Regardless of what the doctors say, O oh God, Lord, you can change it, O oh God. Lord, we decree and declare, we decree and declare, O oh God. Lord, your word says one can take a thousand, O oh God. Two can take, two two can put ten thousand to flight, O oh God. Lord, as a group today, O oh God, Lord, we love you today, and, and and we and we bind together today, O oh God. We bond together today, O oh God, around this mountain, O oh God. Hallelujah. And we declare, O oh God, that you can do, O oh God exceedingly abundantly, O oh God, more than we can think or ask, O oh God. So, Lord, we decree victory, O oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Victory, O oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Victory, O oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Victory, O oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you right now, O oh God, and we praise you, and we thank you, Lord, and we say amen, O oh God, amen, and amen, and amen, O oh God, for what you're going to do, O oh God, for what we can't even ask you today, O oh God, 
Lord, we thank you, oh God. We thank you, Lord. We love you today, oh God. We praise you, Lord. We thank you, oh God. We thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 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 The meeting with these men, I came home to find out uh, Timothy, my son's car broke down, and uh, and it was taken to the uh, you know the mechanic. He said, "Ah, this is not going to work. You have to junk this car." So one car was down, and so he went to pick the things from his car, and when he went there. Um, and picked his stuff, and he came out of that, you know, mechanic shop, just less than four or five miles. The, the second car, which is absolutely in good condition, car just blew up in the front hood, blew up, and, uh, um, you know, smoke came out, and uh, but the, the, he was in the middle of the road, not knowing what to do. He was just like, a, you know, feeling really sad that, uh, you know, even this car is broken. And um, my, my, you know, only grace um, and thankfulness that I have right now is that, uh, you know, nothing happened to him. And uh, the car is just the material stuff that we can find ways to replace. Um, The enemy, uh, you know, when he is, you know, uh, you know, when we kick his guts so hard, you know, he throws a tantrum, but we still serve a God who is more powerful mm-hmm. and mighty and magnificent, and that he is not going to let the harm come closer to us. Even when he spoke to, um, you know, Job, when I spoke about Job to the enemy, he said, you can do whatever you want, but you cannot touch his life. God made sure that he would never, you know, allow the enemy to touch your life or my life. You know, and he, we are surrounded by his grace and his mercy. It's a refuge that the enemy doesn't know how to penetrate, to come to us. And I'm so thankful for him. He is uh, on his plane and uh, this morning he was just like a, so joyfully, he has completely forgot what happened two days ago. And he was saying, Dad, do you know that I'm going to be with the, you know, this guy, Brady? You know? I said, yeah, I know. So, so he's happily on his plane going to Tampa this morning. And I'm praising God for, for nothing happened to him this week. Yes, God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go to the word. The conference has been muted. Hallelujah. Father God, we come before you, throne of grace, one more time this morning. 
And I just pray that uh, you will just like uh, calm our minds and our heart and our soul this morning so we can listen to your word with the Father God, with the gratitude and thankfulness in our heart. God, we just like uh, thankful for how you brought us together. This network of people that we have on this line, Father God, our encouragers. Father God, these men and women on this line are just encouraging each other. God, everybody is just like a talking to each other to just like a see, like an iron sharpens iron. Father God, this morning I pray that these words that we read and meditate will comfort our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We'll go back to Colossians chapter 4, which is where we started last week. And uh, we read from, um, you know, verses uh, 2 through 4, or in fact we read all the way to 6. But um, this this part of, like, uh, the passage uh, was written for the church in Colossae, right? And uh, the people were just like uh, uh, drawn into the religiosity uh, of that day. But people wanting to um, do certain things like uh, uh, what the Judaism practices are, they were trying to do a lot of uh, um, external stuff to reach God, right? And Paul is getting them grounded to what is important. And he says in verse 2, continue earnestly in prayer. Devote yourself in prayer. Forget all the things that go around you. Forget the people, what they're saying about what you need to follow, what you don't need to follow. Devote yourself in prayer. And uh, the second part of that same verse, it says, be vigilant. So last week we talked about like a, how we need to persist and you know and persist in prayer. We need to be um, you know in God's presence and not just leave. Last week we talked about like you know the four things um, you know God wants to see in us when we go to Him in prayer like that. God wants to know. What is that you really want? What is that you really desire in your life? Because sometimes when we are praying for certain things, we continuously change the the direction of our own prayer. And sometimes we don't really, you know, narrow down to that point until we stay closer to the Lord. And the second thing, you know, God wants to know Will you have, will you change your life and make what you're asking for as a priority? Will you have a life-altering decision made for the things that you're asking for? How real are you for the ask that you're doing? The next thing God wants to know when we are persisting in prayer, our prayers are not being answered, we're asking God, and God is actually wanting to see you and I mature in the walk. The maturity in the walk is very important for the Lord. 
And the thing is this, sometimes we think that we are waiting on God for doing something. In fact, God is waiting on us to bless. God, if you're praying for your credit card bill to be paid, it is very easy for God to spend the the money and the resources to pay that credit card. If God gives you the money to pay that credit card off and not actually talk you and me how to not get ourselves into the same debt again, then we will again fall into the same pit. I'm just using card as an example, but anything that God is leading us to. And then the fourth thing that we saw last week is that God wants to test our faith. He wants to make sure that my, my trust is only on him and not on the feelings that I have. So today we're moving from that being consistent in prayer to being vigilant, right? Um, there is a version that says, stay alert with your eyes wide open. Be watchful. That's what the be vigilant means. Be passionate about the prayer life. Yes, we need to persist and stay there with the Lord even when things are not happening. How passionate are we in going to God in prayer? Because if we don't have the passion for prayer, right, and that's what is happening across, we, we actually give so very little importance to prayer. Even Think about like the, on Sunday morning services that are happening across this nation, how much time is spent on prayer? Very little. We give so much importance to the production of the Sunday morning services. We give so much importance for the entertainment that we can do with the music. We get so much of importance to just like hear from some guy on the pulpit some eloquence that he just like wants to show to the people. But how much time? In fact, we have narrowed our Sunday morning services, majority of services in this country are narrowed down to one hour, 16 minutes, right? We've just like a, built a process around it. We just like a, came up with like a formula because they know at some point you're going to get, you know, worn out and you don't want to uh, praise God. And so across this nation, we have this at one hour, 16 minutes. Even within that one hour, 16 minutes, uh, how much time truly are we praying and going to God in prayer? If we have such low importance and not have passion for prayer, how would we see people get healed? Like what Miss Brenda was praying for this morning for that Samantha Green. How would we see demonic forces leave crack addicts Recovered, the relationship restored, the life saved. How would we see the change happen if we 
I'm not passionate about being in God's presence and in prayer. How do we see God's name glorified if we are not passionate about prayer? How do we see the ministry flourish and be fruitful if we are not passionate about prayer? How do we share the glory of God with people if we are not having the glory of God present in us? In 1945, there were three men that started a journey to preach. In fact, our, this was a time the nation, this nation and across the world has just seen the world war end coming to an end while these three men evangelists were making huge impact upon the English speaking world, not just in the U.S., but in Europe and everywhere across the world. And when one of these three guys spoke, the auditoriums were getting packed. In fact, um, you know, uh, in one of the universities in, in U.S., that they actually cut off the thread uh, that was holding the... Um, the bells because they didn't want to get disturbed when one of them was preaching from their pulpit. Right? These were outstanding preachers and that the church has ever seen. But you know what? Only one out of those three stayed till the end. One of the three that preached and rallied all over America, Europe, and serving the rest of the world. Only one man stayed true till the end of all the other two. Nobody even knows. If I just like to, you know, ask you to tell who those men are, the first name that would come out and that we all know is Billy Graham. In fact, I only thought there was Billy Graham and this other guy, but actually there is a third guy, all three of them. In fact, the third guy that nobody knows at this point happens to be more desired or thought of as, a, as a, the next, you know, uh, strongest preacher, powerful preacher that Christianity had. Those two other guys, other than Billy Graham, was Chuck Templeton and Braun Clifford. Braun Clifford was the greatest preacher since the apostles. That's what they believed. After the 12 apostles, they, they believed Clifford was that guy. Templeton was dynamic when they compared Billy Graham and Templeton, they, start, they stated that Templeton was a better preacher than Billy Graham. Right? What happened? When the 
the, the fame got into their head, when they lost the passion to pray, these two other men that we don't know today is because they thought they can do things without Christ. They thought they can do with their own eloquence from the pulpit. They thought they can just like do the drama and the acting from the pulpit. But no. In less than five years, in 1950s, Templeton left the ministry. He pursued a career in radio. He became an announcer and a newscaster telling the world that he no longer believed Jesus Christ as the Son of God. He becomes an atheist. Once they thought Chuck Templeton was the Babe Ruth of preaching, was not seen anymore in the ball game. What happened to Braun Clifton? He fell even farther from than Templeton. His wife bore two children. Both of them had Down syndrome. He left his wife. He left his ministry. He went to become a car sales guy in Texas. And in the next 10 years, while he was doing all these things, what was once the nation's greatest evangelist, he was found dead in a mortal room, mortal, mortal room. He was an alcoholic and destroyed his liver. And uh, in fact, what saddened my heart is that uh, they had to, you know, pull a couple of pastors, pull together some money to bury uh, his body in a, in a pauper's um, field. And what just like a broke my heart even more is this. These two men at the end of fizzled away and extinguished. And the only guy who survived them all is Billy Graham. And so I started to see what made Billy Graham Billy Graham. Billy Graham never shied away from the gospel. He always said, my God says, my Bible says, when he prayed, he prayed for the city that he went to. He loved the people, and he just did. In, in the latter days of Billy Graham, when he wasn't able to preach, he wasn't able to move faster uh, as, as he was in the 20s. He was on his final days. He knew that time um, has come for him to stop preaching. He was, uh, he was uh, you know, losing his mind and memory and so on. But he never stayed strayed away from the faith he had on Jesus Christ. A lot of people come and go. A lot of people do, you know, miracles, wonders, and signs. If we are not passionate about prayer, we will just like a fizzle out like a Clifton and like a Templeton. Later, you know, Franklin Graham, Billy Graham's son, 
said this about his father. He said, though he could not preach, he shifted his ministry to praying. Not only praying for the leaders of our country, but praying for our families and our ministries around the world. That's why I felt it was so important to see him on Sundays, to fill him in on what we are doing and the things we are working on so he could be praying for us. Unlike those two guys mentioned, right? Billy died with his faith in, in Jesus completely intact, a most blessed way to depart from this world. Right? And Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, Finally, there is a laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the right, righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. This morning, how passionate are you about prayer? Are you moved to just like, again, I was just so blessed today morning to see how Miss Brenda was praying for this person that she doesn't even know she was crying out to this to this God. In First Corinthians chapter two, verses three to five, Paul is writing, I came, I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with the persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of spirit's power, so that your faith would not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. I'm telling you today, this morning, this message that I was preparing for humbled me so much. Why? Because... Holy Spirit's power, the God's power in us cannot manifest itself if we are shaking on Sunday mornings. If we are just being like an actor and actresses on Sunday morning without coming to the pulpit with the trembling, without coming to the to the uh, floor with the fear and weaknesses. If we are not coming to say God's word with a completely prepared mindset, oh my God, how much of this word is going to minister to people? This words will never minister to people if we are not true to the word and to the calling and the Holy Spirit will grieve because the Holy Spirit is not interested in persuasive manner. Holy Spirit is not interested in winning anyone with the eloquent message. 
Holy Spirit wants to penetrate through the hearts and minds and the souls of the people to do what it wants to do. If the words coming out of the pulpit is not bringing healing, hope, and the demonstration of God's power, then it is such a useless and wasted of time if we are not standing on God's power. Today morning, I'm going to talk about the passion behind a prayer. One of the most passionate persons that we can think of or look up to is Jesus. His life was filled with passion for prayer. Today morning, we're going to talk about seven things that we can learn from Jesus' prayer life, his passion for, for spending time with God. S.D. Gordon, he writes this book called Quiet Talks on Prayer. He says, how much prayer meant to Jesus. It's not only his regular habit, but his resort in every emergency situation, however slight or serious it is. When perplexed, he prayed. When hard-pressed by work, he prayed. When hungry for fellowship, he found it in prayer. He chose his associates and received his message upon his knees. If tempted, he prayed. If criticized, he prayed. If fatigued in body or wearied in spirit, he prayed. He had resource to his own unfailing habit of prayer. Prayer brought unmeasured power at the beginning and kept the flow unbroken and undiminished. There were no emergency, no difficulty, no necessity, no temptation that would not yield to prayer. This was written in this book called Quiet Talks. Every time we see Jesus praying, he was praying with a passion. What was he praying for? If he is a son of God, what was he going to God in prayer? Number one point. Jesus went to pray before he began to minister to people. It is such a beautiful wisdom that all the preachers and the ministers of the gospel should have today. Why? Because, you know, if Jesus by himself was not able to get to his own ministry without prayer, how much more we that are trying to do the ministry should be praying. I do not know what you're calling in this life is for you. But God is saying to you and me this morning, you have to begin, begin your ministry in prayer. I heard a preacher once said that he has so much work to be done on this particular day that he cannot go to do the work unless he spends 
at least three hours in prayer. His day was so filled with so much work that he would not start without going to God in prayer. Look at it. In Luke chapter 3, verses 21. This is a time where Jesus was going to get baptized. And all the people, when all the people were baptized around him, when John was doing all this work, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized, right? And while he was baptized, I didn't realize at that point until I read this verse, Luke chapter 3, verses 21, it says, after Jesus was baptized or, you know, he was coming out of the water, the Bible says, while he was praying, this is a continuous sentence, while he was praying, he was coming out of the pool and he was still praying. While he was praying, the heavens opened. That's what happened when they pray passionately. The heaven will open. I do not know what you're praying for this morning. I do not know what you want the heavens open for. But when you get on your knees and cry out to the Father, the Father in heaven will open the balconies of heaven and the windows of heaven, and he will pour out the blessing that you and I will not have a place to hold. But here, this is what is so beautiful. After this, this incident, Jesus goes for 40 days into wilderness for spending time with his father in prayer. He gets tempted by this enemy, right? And he was like a three times tempted, but Jesus never gave in. Why? Because uh, when you and I pray, when our proximity with God is so close, then the Father and I, the Father and you, will communicate so strong that no schemes of the enemy will ever prosper in your life and my life. The Bible says that right after he came out of that, um, you know, wilderness, Fasting for 40 days. The Bible says when he returned, when Jesus returned in Luke chapter 4, verses 14, it says, the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible says when he returned in the power of the Holy Spirit to Galilee. When we spend the time with the Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit will descend on your life and my life. In fact, on that very same cha- chapter, he goes to synagogue, and the Bible says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We can do all these things if only that we are filled 
with the Holy Spirit. And that comes when we spend time with the Lord in prayer. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 16, verses 19, when all the crowd came and touched him, for the power came out from him and healed them all. Holy Spirit will anoint you and me when we stay true to his calling. And I want to, you know, one more place where, you know, I wanted to read before we go off from here. If you and I are supposed to start or work on a ministry, if you and I are starting a church to do something for the Lord, if you and I are doing anything for the Lord, the first place that we need to resort ourselves to is in prayer. And when I read Mark chapter 1, verses 29 to 39, Jesus went on preaching. The, the, the sick were getting healed and the, and the people, the demons were leaving. And, and, and the Bible says uh, in verse 35, 6, uh, I'm sorry, Mark 1, verse 35 says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Jesus always, you know, used the prayer as a mechanism before even he started his day. How well are we starting our day? Are we seeking the presence of the Holy God? The first thing in the morning. The second thing, that the point that I want to make is that Jesus prayed because he wants to recharge after the day's work. Did you know that in a, uh, you know, there was a study that was made that says that people get really tired in the evening? And most of Americans get into argument after 6 o'clock. Why? They become tired after a day's work, and they spend all the day at work. They come home at 6 o'clock, and they're tired and weary, and right then, even a small thing that breaks out at home, and kids get like into your nerves, or your wife does something very small and simple, or your husband says something very minute thing, you just like a jump and just like a blast that into a mountain. Why? because we are tired and we have lost the charge. Every one of us are like, a, you know, the, the, have a cup. Every one of us have a cup and the cup can hold only so much of coffee. So if you go to Starbucks and you're buying a coffee, right, that coffee cup can hold 64 ounces of coffee. When you start to pour that coffee to to your friends and your family and your children and your co-workers and your work, you know, by the time it comes to the very end, if you don't refill your coffee cup, then you're going to pour the dirt that is at the bottom of that coffee cup. And we need to get recharged. And that's what Jesus was finding himself. 
to recharge himself. The Bible says in Luke chapter 5, verses 16, he frequently withdrew to the wilderness to pray. This world that we are living in is filled with noise and unnecessary stuff that we don't need to consume, but we, we consume them throughout the day. And if we don't take a moment to recharge ourselves with prayer, then we're going to find ourselves in the mode like the world acts and does things. And after feeding 5,000, and Jesus, you know, would have been like so much in demand for people to talk to, like the Bible says, Jesus withdrew himself and he went to a place to just like recharge himself. And when he came out, in fact, he taught his disciples to do the same thing, to go to a place, a desolate place, a place where they can rest and recharge themselves by connecting with the Father. Next weekend, we are going to be inside a prison. This is the first event that we are doing after the COVID has hit us. And the thing is this, after the day is over, every volunteer, every leader that worked, every child that came and every mother, every one of them is going to be tired, exhausted, both emotionally and uh, physically. And unless we soak ourselves in prayer and recharge ourselves, our body and our mind and our soul and our spirit is going to be tired and we won't be able to do things right. And the only formula Jesus recommends is to spend time with the Father because there is a great benefit attached to it. And, you know, if we don't take time to pray before and we don't take time to pray after the day is over, then we are leaving room for the enemy to creep inside your mind. And we start to fight over things that have absolutely no value, either for the present time or for eternity. Number three, Jesus prayed before he made any important decisions. In Luke chapter 6, verses 12 and 13, it says that it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountains to pray and continued to pray all night in prayer. All night prayer in America is not like a very common theme, but in places like India, all night prayer is like a big deal. You would see like so many churches hosting all-night prayer. Here, Jesus is doing an all-night prayer, right? Why was he praying the whole night? Because the next day morning, Jesus, after spending the whole night in prayer, the next day morning, he chose his 12 disciples. Do you have to make any tough decisions? And do you spend time 
praying. If Jesus prayed the whole night, and if we are not, then what we are sending a message is that I'm more stronger than Jesus. Amazing how, you know, uh, he spent the, the night hearing the voice of the Father. If you're looking for a direction in your life, the first place that you need to resort to is to get on your knees and listening to the voice of the Master. So I talked about three things so far. I talked about praying before you begin your ministry. I talked about praying after you complete the ministry so that you can be recharged. And then I talked about praying before making any important decision in your life. Even if it is, sometimes you may not have the whole night for you to pray for. You may have like a few minutes during the day to pray for. And if you start to pray, God will honor the time that you spend on with him. Number three, number four, we need to pray till we get into the presence of God. We sometimes pray a very weak prayer. We just like, God, bless me today. I'm about to go into the work. Just give me the strength that I need today. I'm, I'm ready to start the work. We just like to make it like a quick microwave kind of prayer. But, you know, when I read some of the Psalms, when I read how David reacts to it, he says, as the deer panted for the water brooks, in Psalm chapter 42, David says, as the deer seeks for the flowing streams of water, so is my soul seeking for you. My soul thirsts for the God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have become my food day and night while they say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in possession to the house of God with the glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. What is he saying? King David is saying that I am so longing to be in the presence of God. Right? His face changed. In Luke chapter 9, we're seeing that when he was in the presence of God, the face of Jesus changed. His clothing became white and gleaming. When Moses went to the mountain to spend time with God, when he came down from the mountain, his face was so bright and people were so scared of seeing Moses. Moses had to put a veil over his face because his countenance changed when he spent time with God. Passion for prayer, spending time with God is so important because when we spend time in his presence, 
His presence gleams over our life. If we are not seeking God in that kind of fashion, right, why would God want to send someone to heaven when they are not willing to have this kind of fellowship with him on earth? If we are not eager and passionate about spending time with God, this particular quote, I'm just paraphrasing this one. It is not the exact quote. I heard this preacher say this, and I'm going to hold on into my heart so much because he says, he said, why would God send someone to heaven when they are not willing to have fellowship with him on earth? Think about it. In heaven, all we have is the presence of God. And the fifth one, Jesus prayed for the lost. When when you get a chance, I recommend highly for you to go to John chapter 17 and read this entire chapter of John 17 is about prayer. But in the middle of that prayer, Jesus says something that caught my attention. It says, I've manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Jesus is talking about you and me in his prayer, right? And he says, yours they are, and you gave them to me. They have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they received them, have come to know the truth that I came from you. And they believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. It says the next part of that verse, it says in verse 9, chapter 17 of John, it says, I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Jesus prayed for you and me. Jesus prayed for the people that were lost. He wasn't worried about everybody, but he was worried about his own that were lost. Did you know that there are over 1.6 billion people in this world has never heard of the gospel or Christ. 1.6 billion people. How are we supposed to take the gospel to this unevangelized? If we don't even know that they even exist, have you prayed for, forget this 1.6 billion people that doesn't even know God. What about your son? What about your daughter? What about your husband? What about your wife? What about your brother, sister? What about your mom and dad? If they don't know God's word and God's power, and if they are going to be lost while you are going to spend your time in eternity, what a waste of their life. In 100 A.D., 
there were 12 unreached groups for every congregation of believers. Now, one unreached person for every thousand congregation members. I mean, we we are surrounded by people. I live in the city of Charlotte. And if we go to the center of Charlotte and put a three-mile radius around that center, we have well over 350,000 people because Charlotte has close to 800 people in the greater Charlotte area. 350 people from the center of the city claim that they are not Christians and not go to church on Sunday morning. We have 4,000 groups of people or the tribes or the, uh, the, the, the groups here is like, a, you know, each of those tribes are considered groups. Here, 4,000 of them across the world still unreached. Are we crying out to the Lord for the people that God is reminding us? Number six, the war that we will win in prayer closet is much more significant than the war we will win by present moments. Let me say this one more time. The war is won in our prayer closet, not in the world, not in the workplace, not in the families uh, or gatherings. We have to win the war inside our closet. And I had a good friend, you know, Roman Pfeiffer. He played for Buccaneers and so on. But he always told me that his dad told him to go to closet and he doesn't have an answer for something that he's seeking. Matthew chapter 26, 39. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. One of the famous prayers that he did in that garden was this. If it is possible, make this cup be taken away from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And Jesus was on the Garden of Gethsemane. He already won the victory. He didn't have to go to the cross, but he did. Why? Because he knew exactly at that moment his body is strengthened to receive whatever the beating and the shame that the people are going to put on him. And he was ready for it. And he was armed. He wasn't like Jesus didn't have a problem. He was armed to face those soldiers. He was armed to face the betrayal. He was armed to face the world. It's not only through passion we can pour out our heart. To, unless we pray, there is no way we can find our strength. Last thing, prayer leads to submission. Passionate prayer leads to submission. At the cross, and Jesus was hanging, the last thing that he prayed is this, I commit my spirit. A life that, was, that lived in passionate prayer ends with just like a surrender. I can... Jesus even said that before in John chapter 5, verse 30. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. 
And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. A Chinese visitor who came to U.S., he came and he was looking and going and participating in so many churches and so many organized events by the Christian community. He spent months in America and he finally said, I'm so amazed at how many things that you do without God. Jesus always prayed with passion because he knew who he was talking to. He knew and heard the voice of the Father. How passionate are we to go before God? Here's how I'm going to end this morning. There was this pastor, um, Jim. He ministers to the people in New York City. A great minister of God. Uh, he's doing amazing work. He has thousands and thousands of people come to his church in the, in the midtown uh, area in New York. And one day, there was this homeless guy who comes. And uh, the pastor said, and I heard his message, he said, like, when he came near him, that man was smelling really bad. And he had to suck his nose from taking any more of that breath. It was so nasty. Oh, it was like a smell of urine over him, and he hadn't taken bath, and he was just, and this guy was just like, a, you know, um, you know, coming to the front of the, the the church to talk to the pastor after the service is over. And when he came closer to him, the pastor said, I could not smell, take the smell anymore. But God spoke to him and said, if you don't like the smell, then you don't have a part in my kingdom. And so he allowed this man to come closer to him and uh, and he was talking about like a how he lived in a, in a an abandoned truck and he sleeps on the street corners and that the you know where people have urinated and things like that and it was just like a terrible terrible lifestyle that he was living and so the pastor put his hands on his pocket to take some money. He had $5 in his pocket. He put his hands on his pocket to take the $5 so he can give it to that man. While he was trying to take the money out, this man come very close to the pastor and shoved the hands back in and said, I'm not looking for money. I don't want that money. But he said, I want the Jesus that you preached. And the pastor felt so bad at that moment in time. He cried and cried and cried and cried. And he cried with this man. And that day, this man named David gave his life to Christ and started to clean his life. Slow but steadily, he came out of all the problems that he was in. And now he is an ordained minister in New Jersey. Why am I saying this? If the pastors in America don't go to God kneeling down and crying out 
before coming on Sunday morning to preach. What we are doing is taking the $5 and giving it to the congregation. The congregation doesn't need that $5 message that we give from the pulpit. The congregation needs the Jesus, the unchanging, everlasting, magnificent, the King of kings and the Lord of lords needs to be preached into the into the congregations across this nation. I pray this morning that the pastors and the preachers and the ministers will take this prayer passionately as the deer panted for the water brooks. When we hear from God, when we hear his voice, when we spend time with God, then when we come out Afterwards, to preach the word of God to the people, the people will know that this guy had a counter, encounter, intimate encounter with the Father in heaven. The message will not come out as empty words. It will just like a go piercing into the hearts of the people. When they pray after that kind of like an encounter, people will hear what God is saying to them. It won't be flowery words. It won't be repeating the same prayer. It won't be intellectual. It won't be like something that people would just like, you know, feel that this guy is like doing a good job. It won't. It won't. It won't do any good for anybody by preaching eloquently from the pulpit unless we are ordained by the Holy Spirit and do and say what he tells us to say and do. Then the message that comes from the pulpit will heal the heart and the people will know that their relationships are going to get restored. The addiction towards the drugs will leave and the sons and daughters will come home and the business will flourish and the unanswered prayers will be answered and they will see the glory of God descend upon you and me. This morning, as I'm wrapping up, I wanted every one of us not to feel guilty for not praying like before, or not praying at all. I just want us to get real with God. When, when we are not ready to spend time with God, why would God want to give a passport for us to spend eternity with Him? Take, we'll take our prayer life serious. I'm not just preaching this for you. I'm actually preaching this for me because I do want to spend time with the Lord with this kind of an intimacy. When I pray the next time, I want people to know that I am not just like a praying some empty prayer, but I have a good relationship, an intimate relationship with my Father. When I come on Sunday mornings to preach or talk like this, 
uh, a word of God, the word of God should come out with power piercing through the hearts of the people, not just empty words. I don't need to impress anybody. I just want you to take the word of God and just like to give it to the people. What I hear from my father, I want to share this morning. We don't have Miss Katina, so we will go without the summarization. But I think there are seven things that I talked about today. Number one, before you begin another ministry or begin your ministry, it's time to get back before God in prayer. Number two, after the day's work, in order to recharge yourself, separate yourself from everything before you walk into your home in prayer. Because that's going to, you know, not only bring peace to your heart, but peace to your family. Number three, before you make any important decision, if Jesus prayed all night, how much more we should be praying before making any important decision, pause and pray. Number four, pray till you get into the presence of God. This is not a microwave moment that we have, that we put in the popcorn into microwave and we come out fully baked. Unless we get into the presence of God, we should not leave the prayer closet. Number five, Jesus prayed for the lost people, and we need to as well. I talked about 1.6 million, billion, not million, does not even know Christ. Our own family members don't know Christ. Number six, if there is a war, if there is a battle that you're going through, go to your closet because the war is won in your closet. And then finally, submit everything that you have in your hand in prayer because God loves it. In fact, there is a place in Isaiah chapter 62. It says, give him This is give God no rest till he establishes, until he makes Jerusalem a praise in earth. Don't give any rest to God until you get what you have asked for. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we have to celebrate this morning the communion. I want you to soak all of these things in your heart and in your mind. These are words that's going to bring healing and hope one day in your life and restoration and loosening of the strongholds in your life and in your children's life. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer for our communion this morning. Lord Jesus, we bow before you in humility and ask you to examine our hearts today. 
show us anything that is not pleasing to you. Reveal any secret pride, any unconfessed sin, any rebellion or unforgiveness that may be hindering our relationship with you. We know that we are your beloved children, having received you into our hearts and lives and having accepted your death as penalty for our sinfulness, the price you paid covers us for all time, and our desire is to live for you. As we take the bread representing your life that was broken for us, we remember and celebrate your faithfulness to us. And to all who receive you, thank you for your extravagant love and unmerited favor. Thank you that your death gave us life, abundant life now, and eternal life forever. We receive this bread in remembrance of you. Let us take the bread. In the same way, we take this cup representing your blood, poured out from the splintered cross. You are the supreme sacrifice for all of our sin, past, present, and future. Today we remember and celebrate the precious gift of life you gave for us through the blood you spilled. Let us take a drink. Hallelujah. 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 In Jesus' name we pray, Father, for every one of us on this line, help us to make prayer a priority, a passion. And we don't want to give the five dollars worth of prayer, but instead, Father God, you want to make our time with you as 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 precious as the as the words and the numbers cannot measure. Father God, your presence is more important for us today. Help us, Father God, to build the passion towards prayer in our lives. Now we seven cross falls into your mighty hands. We take the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Father, we pray for your glory. Amen. The conference has been unmuted. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hope you all have an amazing week. I just pray that God will restore in you a fresh anointing and a new grace in your life. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Steele. Yes.